You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. So uh, this morning we're going to start a sermon series that we're not, uh, this sounds weird, we're going to start a sermon series that we're not going to finish um, because we're going we're to kind of go to the light of the world at the end of this and miss one Sunday if it stays the way it is. I might just finish the love candle and, and then move on with the light of the world on December 18th p.m. service and 24th p.m. service. Um, it just depends. I'm praying about that at this moment in time. However, we're looking at some, some, some themes of the Advent season. Every week when we get to Advent, we light one of four candles. There's a fifth one that will come along, which is the Christ candle. And, and there's themes like hope and joy. And we never really talk about them. We kind of just, you know, sometimes in some years that I've been here, we just had somebody come up and light the candle, and we never said a word about what, what that meant. And I just want to take some time to encourage the body of Christ during this time that there's, there's meaning behind these candles. There's significant meaning. Um, and, and we need to grasp them. In a world that, that looks for hope, and this is your title of your sermon this morning, and you can follow along on your sermon outline in your, in your bulletin. Um, in a world that looks for hope in all the wrong places, we need to make sure our focus is on the right place or person. Because our world is, is focused on um, putting their hope on people. You know, sometimes as pastor, I can do that. I know that's shocking that the pastor can do something wrong, but uh, um, it is true. I put my hope on people. People will come through. And you know what? Sometimes people don't come through. But Jesus always comes through. And so we can focus on other things and put our hope in other things. I hope that I win. I don't because I don't play, but I hope that I win the lottery, many would say. That's, you know, you got, they say you got a better chance of being struck by lightning than winning the lottery. I don't want to play those odds. But that's the truth of the matter. The wrong places we put our hope in. No matter how bad things get, we should never give up hope. This is a season of expectations and preparations and an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence and rediscover what this Christmas is all about. Over the next four weeks, we're going to explore the attributes of Christ. This is what is so amazing to me, and, and I just learned it this year. When I was studying this, I was reading a book about these, these themes. If you look at them, they are attributes of Jesus Christ. They aren't just pulled out of, the, out of a hat. These are things that Jesus can give us the real hope. He can give us real joy, not joy that's fleeting, not joy that's dependent on water coming into your house, not joy that's dependent on, on, on anything else on the outside. It's joy, real joy all the time. 
And only through Jesus can we experience real love. Not the love that Hollywood proclaims, but real love. Love that doesn't say, I'm going to love you because I can get something out of the love that I have for you. No, Christ's love is a love that says, I love you. I signed the contract. I, I paid the bill. I'm not asking for a sin. And so you see, these are attributes of Christ. And they're powerful attributes. Let's begin this morning with the attribute of Christ and first theme of, of Advent, hope. Here's its definition. It'll be on the screen for you. Um, here's the definition. The optimistic view and anticipation of the future based on the conviction that God is sovereignly directing the course of this world to fulfill excuse me, his promised consummation of all things in Christ. The object of hope is crucial. It cannot be human effort or worldly resources, according to Psalm 33, 17. This definition is found in the Baker Compact Dictionary of Theological Terms. It is a, it is a great definition of hope. Notice what the theological word of hope is. It is an optimistic anticipation of the future. But it's based on something very solid. It's not based on the hope that the wind blows in the right direction at the right time and gets us to the promised land. It's based on the fact that we believe as Christians, that we believe that this word teaches us this morning, would teach us The hope is based on him. He says that he's in control in here and it still is happening. He hasn't put his hands off of the steering wheel and said, you're on your own. That's what our hope is based on. God has given us hope to see and know he is with us and to be inspired. It's been some tough years. And there's still folks coming down with what was the global pandemic. There are people feeling the, the pinch of the economic recession. There's political division. Please tell me I'm not telling you something you don't know. I mean, we're polarized. Do you know that during, I was going to say this during the campaign, but I figured I'll wait till afterwards so that everybody cools down a little bit. Do you know that I saw people on one side of the, of the aisle put something up on their Facebook wall and say, this is how they feel? Do you know that I saw the same people on the other side of the aisle put the same meme, meme up and say, this is how I feel? We are so polarized that we put the exact same thing on our Facebook walls and say, this is what I stand on. And we don't even see it. I literally had people that would be ultra-conservative 
put it on here. And I had people that would be ultra the other way, put it on theirs. We are such a polarized world that we don't even know it. Same exact meme, same exact wording. And both of them said, this clarifies my position. That's how divided we are in the political realms. And yet people put their hope in those political realms. It's powerful. We also see more extra powerful hurricanes and floods. And if I missed anything, you can fill it in in your head. That's not even to mention our own personal struggles, like sickness in our families, loved ones we miss, and the list goes on. If there's ever a need for Christmas, this is it. If there's ever a year we need the hope of Christmas, this is it. If there's ever a year that we need Christ, my friends, this is that year. It's a good thing we've made it here to Advent, nearly to Christmas. This is a season of hope. Advent is all about hope, but not hope like the world offers. The word Advent means coming or arrival, and the season is traditionally a time of expectation, waiting, anticipation, longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It is a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share an ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah, to celebrate his birth, and to be alert for his second coming. That's a part we often forget. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward to, in hopeful and eager anticipation, to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. I don't know about you, but every Christmas I get a little bit more yearning for that part. I'm tired, Lord. Would you just come back? During Advent, we wait for both. It's an act of assured and hopeful waiting. Advent is a time to prepare our hearts and help us focus on a far greater story a far greater story than the one we're writing right here, right now. The story of God's redeeming love for our world. It's not a season of pretending to be happy or covering up the pain or the hardships we've experienced during the past several months. It's a season of digging deep into the reality of what it means that God sent his son and he's still on his throne an opportunity to align ourselves with God's presence more than just a hectic season of out there running from present to present, buying present after present after present. There's so much more to it. So wherever you are right now, your anxiety level, wherever you are on your own spiritual journey, I invite you this Advent season. I'd like to suggest that in the craziness and uncertainty of this year, We've been given a gift. We've been given the opportunity to rediscover what all of this means. All of it. And how it can impact each and every heart. We start with Luke's account, including a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. Here's what it says in that 
account. I believe it'll be on the screen, correct? Yes. You can stay seated today. I'll let you stay seated because this is a long one. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying the following words. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, the child, this child, is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband 70 years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them, and that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna were sparks of hope for Israel. More than that, they were torches of hope, expecting God to fulfill what he had promised. They believed it. And they were waiting for that promised child. They were ready to see God act and do great things. Even though it looked like it wasn't going to happen at moments. I wonder, are we ready to see God act? I also wonder, are we ready to see him do great things? even when it looks like it may not happen. That's hope. God didn't need an angel to get the message to these two faith giants. They were ready, waiting, watching, listening, expecting. Both Simeon and Anna are filled with hope, and that hope made them ready. God fulfilled his word. He said he, what, what he said he would do. The Messiah was born. They rejoiced and celebrated, and it brought new hope into the people from them, around them, including Mary and Joseph, who were still figuring out what it all meant to be exactly to be the earthly parents of God's son, Jesus, the Messiah. 
They're still getting their heads around this. Simeon and Anna reveal several key details about hope and its power that can all that can that can take away and that can take that we can take away from it and apply in our lives. And I want you to take these points from Anna and Simeon and I want you to apply them to your own hearts. Because I'll tell you something, there's a reason why the word hope is in most political campaigns these days, because people are missing it. They're missing it. They they want the hope, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. Here's number one. First, uh, I believe this is your first uh, blank. Hope sees ahead of where we are right now. Hope looks ahead. Hope doesn't just look here and look back, but hope looks ahead. Listen to what Simeon's words were in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of their people Israel, coming up to them at that very moment. Then Anna gives thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were seeking, who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. That didn't just happen. Simeon didn't not focus on the hope of Jesus Christ becoming the Messiah of the, of, of the Messiah of the nations. He didn't just walk up and have these words pour out of his tongue. No, it was work. He had a hope when no one else around him had a hope. He had a desire in his heart to see the Savior when no one else around him had that desire. Anna the same way. Maybe the reason that you might have lost hope this week, this year, or, or in years past, or you've just been on this slippery slope of losing hope over several years, is because you haven't taken time to focus on the security of your hope. And you've let others chirping in your ear control what you put hope in. This hope is the fuel of faith. It's the dreams and the possibilities. It's the spark that ignites a promise, that blazing fire with flames that each reach the the sky. It's the flicker of the first light on the new morning. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you're facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness or pain you're in, let me encourage you to never abandon hope because hope focuses on what's ahead not what's happening now or behind. Friends, hope exists before reality comes to pass. Let me give you an example of how this works. You can hope, you'd be wrong, (laughs) but you can hope I have $100 in this wallet and that I'll take out of my pocket and give it to you. 
You can think about it. You can expect it. You can keep believing. I better watch it. It's going to go flying. You can keep believing it's going to happen. However, as soon as I give you that $100 bill, hope is done. It's done. It's finished. There's no need for it anymore. You can't even keep hoping it'll happen because it already has happened. Hope precedes reality. Hope by its very nature exists in uncertainty. It exists in questions, in doubts. You hope because you have a desire to see something better. And when we give up hope, we lose the desire to see something better. Hope is the willingness and desire to believe beyond what your present circumstances are at the current moment. But hope is also number two. The hope of Christ reminds us God is with us, present, past, and future, forever. Simeon says it in verse 32, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of your Israel. Friends with God, there is no uncertainty about that truth. God knows our pains. He knows our challenges. He knows our struggles. He knew what Israel went through, and he walked through it with them faithfully. God was not taken by surprise when the pandemic hit this country, when things happened in your life or mine. He's not surprised when gas prices go up or down. He's not up there chewing his fingernails saying, oh my goodness, it hit $4. He's not concerned when the economy froze or when it sinks. He was not surprised when your loved one received that dreaded diagnosis or called in the middle of the night or heard those words that broke your heart and shattered your world or left you in a confusion or surrounded with uncertainty. He sees you. And if there's an encouragement I as your shepherd can give you, it is is that he is here just as sure as this candle is lit, just as sure as this manger scene is here, just as sure as the Christmas tree is behind me. He is here and he is not surprised by what you are facing at all. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And this hope, he delivers this hope, he embodied and fulfilled and brought into the world so long ago. This hope that he offers you today, this is not a hope that he dangles before us, taunting with with us, just out of reach. You've seen the commercial where that person has like the $20 bill on on the fishing rod. I forget what it even is for. And they go to grab it and the person pulls it back, almost. Almost, he doesn't dangle it on a fishing rod before your face and say, here's the hope of the world, Debbie Green. And then when Debbie Green goes to grab it, pull it back, almost, but you missed it. You're a little too slow. God doesn't do that. And sometimes we act like he does. I mean, maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes I do. Like there's, you know, you're looking at the world and you're going, there's no, there's no hope. And you're thinking to yourself, what are you doing? Dangling like a carrot? And then when I miss, too slow. No, he doesn't do that. He gives us the hope. This is a hope that he infuses within us. It's a hope filled and fanned with us by the God's Spirit, even in our weakness. 
even in our deepest pain, when hope feels so far away or impossible, when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel hope is almost gone, His Spirit is with us. And you know what His Spirit does? If we allow Him to, He renews it within us all the time. Just when you get to the edge and you feel like maybe jumping doesn't feel so bad, he renews your hope to step you off the edge. His Spirit will do that. His Spirit will do that in more than one way. It'll do that through Scripture. He'll do that through brotherhoods. I have a, I have, I, we have a bishop who, uh, who loves his, his pastors. You know, he told me the last time I saw him, he said, hey, listen, if you ever feel like jumping, text me. I'll talk you off the cliff. No, we're not talking for real. We're talking spiritually speaking. That's a brotherhood. That's a man who isn't, you know, I'm, hey man, I'm the bishop. You don't text me. No, I care about you. And he wants to see my hope renewed. And there's friends in your lives that can do the same. And the word of God can do it. His message of hope includes what Isaiah says in chapter 43, verses 1 through 2, and here's what it says. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'm with you. When you pass through the rivers, you will not sweep they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. That's the kind of God we serve. And so this hope candle may seem simple, and, but it's so much more. You don't walk alone, folks. Never have, never will even at our loneliest, darkest moments. And then number three, hope motivates us to carry on the mission of Christ. Anna's words in verse 38, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, show the mission. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child who were, who, uh, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Not just Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth which includes Temple, Pennsylvania, friends. The Apostle Paul described the cycle of hope in Romans chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. I want, I want you to get this. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, which now we stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. A perseverance to 
produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. There's a cycle of hope. You have to go through the suffering so you can understand the hope of Christ. Can you imagine for one minute that David is standing before Saul? Saul says, what gives you the right to go fight that big giant? What gives you the right? And he says, I protected my father's sheep from the squirrels. Squirrel? Giant. No. What he says is, is I protected my father's sheep from the mouths of lions and bears, depending on which translation you use. May I suggest, in an encouraging tone, that I've given up on squirrels, and that's why maybe my hope hasn't been restored sometimes? God brings that squirrel into my life and he's running around crazy and he's making, you know, I, you know, what's the old saying? I don't have ducks in a row. I have squirrels that are on drugs or something like that. I, I, I don't, I, I just cannot, um, I, I don't ever have my ducks in a row. I, it's just squirrels going crazy. And what he's doing is he's presenting these these, these things, and he's allowing these things to happen so that your hope will grow in God and you give up on the squirrels. You haven't even gotten to the bears and the lions yet. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, there's a reason because suffering produces perseverance. And then once you get that perseverance, you get character. And then character leads to hope. The hope we have in God's will, in God, will not let us down. It does not put us to shame. It will not disappoint. It instead gives us new strength. Hope inspires us. It emboldens us. Hope builds hope built upon hope and keeps on going no matter what. So here's the question that I end it with this morning. Is your next step a step of hope? What is your next step? We can focus on the hope we have in Jesus. During whatever life is throwing at you, you can experience the hope of God and strength to take the next step. But here's what Paul is saying in Romans when he says that whole thing about perseverance, building up character. It takes one step. Like we've all been in the Battle of the Bulge. You know what I'm talking about by the Battle of the Bulge? Do you know what it takes to stay on a diet? The first step. If you don't nail the first day, you're going to be back right where you started. That's what it takes, the first step. And that first step takes decisions that aren't always easy. 
You know, like, like, you know, if you're starting a diet on Thanksgiving Day, I didn't start my diet on Thanksgiving Day, I started one week before then, but, you know, and then the pumpkin pie gets put on the table. Oh my goodness, you had to put that right in front of me, didn't you? With the whipped cream, which is even better. And so I have a decision, do I make pumpkin pie or do I not eat pumpkin pie? Well, I chose to eat pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving Day. But the point is, is, is that that's what Paul is talking about in Romans. We have a decision. Are we going to let character win or are we going to let hope win? Are we going to let perseverance win or are we going to let the sufferings win? Are we going to get defeated or are we going to stand on the hope of God? That's the point. And your next step on your sermon outline is an example of how Mary found hope in the Christmas story. This is not my example, but it's a perfect example of what we're talking about this morning. Mary turned silence and prayer more to silence and prayer more than complaining. She focused on the hope. She was honest with God about the hard parts. Read her prayer. God, I'm not sure about this. I I don't know. Mary surrounded herself with godly friends. She remembered that God is faithful when she could have been consumed with fear. She could have said, I don't want any parts of this plan. Mary praised God rather than dwelling on her problems. You know, like facing being stoned. Because who's going to believe that she was given birth to the baby Jesus, conceived through the Holy Spirit? Yeah, okay. What will you do to put the plan together? Will you focus on what he's doing in your life and focus on the hope that he gives when you pray? Or you focus on all the things that are going on. Will you, like Peter, keep your eyes on him when you get out in the water? Or will you focus on all the waves that are crashing and all the things that are not going the way you expect them to go? In which case, Peter goes down and Jesus saves him and pulls him up. That's the steps of hope I'm asking for. Would you think about it this week? Would you think about where do I place my hope and my strength? And please know one thing, and I mean this from, I don't say this, I learned a long time ago, you don't say these kind of things unless you do them. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you will find hope in this Advent season. Hope placed on the security of Jesus Christ, on the sovereignty that he has over the entire world, on the fact that you know that there's still one more move every day of your life. He still hasn't come back for his church. He has that move. He isn't done. He's asking us to go out on mission and reach people with that redemptive story that Anna talked tell them about it and if they tell you you're full of stuff that we can't discuss here this morning at church you did what God asked you to do 
You put your hope in Jesus Christ. You can't make them. Will you do it? Take a step of hope this week. Stop complaining about what's happening, speaking to myself, and ask the Lord, what is it that you want to see, me to see, from your hope? Let's close in a word of prayer together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your hope. A hope that is firmly based on your sovereignty over the world. Lord, you are so gracious to us. You continue to minister to us, and you continue to give us hope. Help us, Lord, not to have just another, another Advent season here at Faith Church. Help us to focus in on those things that we need to hear about. Words that we throw around from time to time, hope and joy and love and peace. But there's so much more to these words, Lord. These are attributes that you can give to your children if we bow our knees to you first and foremost, and then we seek to live by your word. Help us, Lord, no matter where we are in that, in that, in that Romans passage, whether we're experiencing sufferings right now that are, that are building up character in us, or we have the character and now we're, we're going to the hope. Wherever we are in that cycle, Lord, I pray that you will be the center of the cycle. And that you will encourage your folks here at Faith Church to take steps of hope from this point forward. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com. 